Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who came to this world so that you could have a choice. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, we're in a Lutheran church right now, which means that probably um, a lot of you have not uh, been to an altar call recently, anyway. Um, maybe, maybe a few of you have, have actually been to some place that is, have done an altar call, um, and so you sort of know what we're talking about. But some of you, well, you're, you're really kind of not sure what that's all about and, and what happens with an altar call. Um, and so, um, the, just to kind of, uh, it, I, I've always thought that it, it was kind of funny, the historic development of the altar call has always been that the, there's been like an empty row of seats up front, and, and they used to call it the nervous bench, because uh, people would sit there and they'd be really nervous, um, because they were trying to figure out if they wanted to give their life to God or not, um, if they wanted to um, uh, let God know that they were sinning or not, and uh, and and I've just always thought that was funny because uh, I grew up in the Lutheran Church and we've never had a, a, a nervous bench in, in our tradition. Um, however, we have very few people, two of them, who will ever sit in the front row. I don't know what that says about me, um, but it is a, our entire tribe. Um, but, but the whole idea behind an altar call is that you make a decision. You make a decision about how you're going to live your life. You make a decision about if you're going to let Jesus affect your life. And the reason that that doesn't show up very often in Lutheran circles is that uh, it's sort of redundant for us in terms of the way that we think about what God has done for us. And what we acknowledge that God has done for us is that God has already made the decision for us. That God has said... I am going to save this person. And, and we say, well, okay, if, if God says I'm saved, then uh, I guess I'm saved. I don't need to do anything in order to um, uh, make him save me or, or prepare myself to, for him to save me. He just goes ahead and does it. And basically the, the whole idea is that we want to give God all of the glory for all of that stuff. And so if we even detract the amount of glory that comes out of saying, okay, I'm ready for you to take my life, if we take that glory away from God, that we say that that's God's glory. We, we shouldn't take that for ourselves. And so that's kind of where we are as a tribe, is that we understand that God has come into this world to save us, and that our decisions, that that's something that actually comes out of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit says, okay, now that God has saved you, I am in your life, and you're going to start doing these great things, including confessing your sins and uh, receiving that forgiveness. Which uh, brings me to uh, another great altar call story with uh, another bunch of Lutherans. Uh, some of you probably know them um, if you're really geeked out in this Lutheran thing. Um, and, and that's the band Lost and Found. If you don't know them, just think of an acoustic version of the Violent Femmes. That's really who they are. And uh, 
what what they are is they're they're this duo that get together and and they're a Lutheran group and and they sing songs and and that's great. They tour all over the place. And one time they were touring with this group that was used to doing an altar call. And they said, well, uh, okay, because the other group said, well, we're going to do this altar call at about this point and it's going to be really great and and uh, you know we'd love if you guys were out on stage for that. And Lost and Found said. Great, you know, if, if somebody, you know, finally gets that, that Jesus has died for them and uh, has lifted them up out of their sin, then that's fantastic. We'll be there. Um, and they said, but by the way, our fans are going to be there, so it may not go how you think it's going to go because they're a bunch of Lutherans and um, they might not quite understand what you're doing. And uh, so um, uh, they, they finally get to that point at in the evening where. They're going to do the altar call, and the guy from the other band gets in front of the, the stage and, and starts saying, you know, uh, what we want to do right now is give you an opportunity to make a decision. If you know that you're a sinner and you want um, your sins to be forgiven, we just want you to be able to um, step up right now. And uh, the one guy from Lost and Found said, there were so many Lutherans in the place, it was like the whole crowd just shifted forward one step. (laughs) And they were talking about it afterwards, and uh, this other band was completely perplexed. They were like, what the heck happened? And Lost and Found said, well, they were waiting for the absolution. They, they were waiting for, the, for that point where you were going to tell them that their sins were forgiven and make the sign of the cross, and, and then they would go along with the rest of the evening, because that's what we do every Sunday. And that fits into what's going on here with Moses talking to the people of Israel. Because you see, what you've got going on here with the people of Israel is that um, Moses is giving them sort of his last farewell sermon. And it's a doozy. Because we're in chapter 30 right now, and we're at the end of the sermon. So that means that there have been 29 chapters of Old Testament reading worth of a sermon. So Moses was kind of like, hey, it's my last sermon. This sucker is going as long as I want it to. And what he's doing is he is regaling for them the agreement, the covenant that God has made with them. And he's saying, this is the covenant that I, that God has made with you, and I'm going to remind you of this. Because from this point on, I'm not going with you. Moses knows he's up on uh, the, the mountain of Nebo. He is going to die. He's not going to be with them anymore. He's already set up. Joshua's good to go. He's going to be their next leader. But he's giving them this farewell sermon. And he's saying, all right, remember, this is the agreement. And he's laying it out for them one more time. These, these are the things that God has said. This is the covenant that we have given to you. And he's telling this to people that were not there when the agreement was originally made. Because if you know anything about the Israelite history up until this point, that there's only a few people left that were at that original covenant time. Because God gave them this covenant, and then they went and they grumbled about the food, and then they went and they grumbled about the water, and then they made a golden calf, and then they, oh oh yeah, then they um, they got sent burning serpents because they were uh, 
complaining so much. And God said, you're not ready yet. Forty years of wandering around in the wilderness, and you're still not getting it. And he finally has led them to this point right in front of the Jordan River, and they have just messed up again. Right before Moses starts off his sermon, he knows that they've been grumbling. He knows that they've been complaining. He knows that they haven't been following God's commandments. He knows that they have been deep within their hearts, hating God and ignoring who He is. And so, Moses is laying this all out again, saying, Here's the covenant. Here's what God has told you to do. Will you finally get it? And oh yeah, that's where I am. Right? Because, unless it's your first time here today, we've talked about this as well. Here's God's agreement with you. Here's what He's got. Here's the Ten Commandments. Here's what we believe. You've heard that from up here before. And yet, we have to have this time before the service where we get together and we say, "Uh, we screwed it up again. We didn't follow your commands. We didn't love you with our whole heart. We didn't love our neighbors as ourselves. And because of that, we don't deserve to live with you. And it can be really kind of a hopeless feeling place when you're marched right up there to the edge of the Jordan River and Moses is saying, Look, I'm putting it before you one more time, life or death. And you know that the backspin of that question is that you have chosen death with almost absolute certainty every other time. That you've chosen sin, that you've chosen, I'm going to go my own way. And yet at the same time, just like in the kids' message, nobody ever wants to choose death. Nobody ever says, well, I guess I'll choose death. Because we don't want death. We want life. We want to choose life. We're just incapable of that a lot of the time. We're incapable of following those commandments as strictly as what God would have us follow them. We're incapable of doing everything that He would have us to do. And so, although we're choosing life, a lot of times we're drifting and falling into death. And that's why it's important that God sent us somebody who would choose death. Somebody who came to this world who experienced life like ours. And who, at the end of it, chose the end of his own life, by allowing himself to be arrested and then taken in front of several different courts and then to die on a cross to pay for our failure. 
chose death. The thing that we would never choose. So that we could have life. And that's what makes the difference in our hope. Because you see, what we do in our lives, day in and day out, and especially if you come here every weekend, if you're able to do that, uh, what you get to do is you get to go out into this world from this day on, and you get to say, I'm going to choose life in every place that I can, but I know that at some point I'm not going to choose life and I'm going to need that life that Jesus has for me. And I'm going to come back to University Lutheran or I'm going to come back to God's Word. I'm going to come back to somebody who will tell me that my sins are forgiven. And I'm going to get that life back again. That should give you hope. Because you know deep down that you do fail at this stuff. But it's not about your failure. And it's not even about your decision. It's about the fact that you have a God who loved you enough that He decided for you. That He was going to die and give you Himself so that you could have life. Amen.